Each month, the Security Ledger podcast informs and entertains an audience of thousands of technology and information security professionals. If that sounds like an audience your company is trying to reach, consider sponsoring one of our podcasts. We offer per-episode sponsorships of our weekly podcasts, which feature news, analysis, and discussion of the most important cybersecurity topics of the day. Or you can commission a custom podcast to highlight your executives, researchers, and subject matter experts. To learn more, point your web browser to securityledger.com slash sponsor. Hello, this is the Security Ledger Podcast, and I'm Paul Roberts, Editor-in-Chief at the Security Ledger. In this episode of the podcast, number 195. Everyone are focused on the high-end equipment, the servers, the switches, and all of that, but eventually you find the attack coming from your mouth or from your keyboard. And it's not James Bond stories. It happens everywhere. It happens all the time. Between Black Friday and Cyber Monday, consumers across the U.S. spent the weekend snapping up deals on home electronics like smart televisions, game consoles, and appliances. Despite the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, people hit the stores. Total season-to-date holiday spending, according to data from Adobe, topped $100 billion, with $10 billion alone spent buying online this past Cyber Monday. Lots of factors drive consumer decisions to buy one product over another. Price and features are chief among them. But what about cybersecurity? Unlike, say, the automobile marketplace, concerns about safety and security are not top of mind when consumers step into a Best Buy, browse over to Amazon.com, or step into a Walmart looking for a new flat-screen TV. But it probably should be, as Security Ledgers reported recently, a brand of Android televisions made by the Chinese giant TCL was found to have numerous serious security flaws that could have left the devices open to remote access and data theft, all without the need of a login or password. Separately, TCL acknowledged in a statement to Security Ledger that access to onboard cameras and microphones is available to company support personnel, though only with the permission of the TV set's owner. But concerns about the cybersecurity of smart home electronics go way beyond TCL TVs. As our guest this week tells us, software and hardware supply chains are rife with vulnerable, if not already compromised, components. Yossi Applebaum is the CEO of the firm Sepio Systems, which provides visibility, policy enforcement, and rogue device mitigation capabilities to companies that are worried about the risks posed by hardware assets. He came into the Security Ledger studio to talk about the supply chain security risk and how concerned consumers should be about the security of the devices that are being pushed on them this holiday season. My name is Yossi Applebaum. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Sepio. Sepio is a cybersecurity vendor. The company is focused on what is called hardware access control. Eventually, uh, the idea is to bring visibility and mitigation tools to the hardware space inside corporations and organizations, from financial institutions to governments. And the idea behind our technology allows us to provide extreme visibility into the hardware devices themselves by almost like extraying the hardware inventory or the hardware infrastructure they deployed into the organization and trying to take the mask of the risky devices, rogue devices, there are plenty of names, the same problem. Uh, in the last years, we were focused on mainly helping organizations to know better 
where is the pain point, security-wise pain point around their hardware infrastructure coming from supply chains and sometimes even insiders. So we had you on, Yelsey, because obviously Security Ledger has been reporting on some concerns, issues raised about security vulnerabilities in some pretty widely deployed Android TVs made by the Chinese vendor TCL. And it it kind of raises an issue, a larger issue, which is the one that your company is focused on, which is really around this supply chain security. Now, TV sets, widescreen, flat screen TVs nominally are consumer devices, except that they end up in a lot of companies too. So I thought I'd reach out to you and ask somebody who's looked really closely at this, how common are problems like this and how concerned should, first of all, U.S. consumers be and, and also just U.S. businesses broadly about all of this incredibly affordable, but kind of a little bit suspect electronic equipment that's being pushed on us, especially as we come into the holiday season, people go out shopping and Best Buy or whatever. A lot of the stuff is very affordably priced, you know, pretty feature rich, but we don't have a very good idea of, you know, what's under the hood and what the risks attendant to the, to that low price tag are. You know, the TCL story has two parts. Uh, I'm not sure which one is worse than the other, but First part is the obvious one, okay? So some uh, quite good researchers found uh, vulnerabilities in the device. It happens all the time. It happens to really good brands. It happens to less good brands. And the story starts when you find that vulnerability as they found and then report. And lack of response is, for me, it's a red flag, but uh, the bigger story in, in, in this case, as you already reported, was that Suddenly, it was fixed, remotely and quietly. And this is a totally different story than just finding a vulnerability. Someone was getting a remote access to a specific device under the radar and was able to change something. So it means that they have a full access to the equipment. Now, that's a big issue. That's not a small issue. The entire process of lack of response and then actionable acts or actually at least a series of actions that were made, for me, it's a concern that shows that uh, this specific vendor potentially has a full access to everything within the device. But let's make it bolder. And the bolder story is that they are selling you a good product in terms of a feature set. Today, earlier, uh, I was talking to one of our sales engineers here, and I told him about the coming conversation that we are just doing, having, and he said, Yossi, take a look on the rating of their TVs versus same price TVs from Samsung, from LG. They get way better rates in an American-grade uh, website, but there is no, no category for security. No. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for me as a, of course, I'm, you know, I guess ahead of the curve in understanding threats from coming from IoT devices and, and, and from hardware, but it doesn't make sense that we are not giving even a one small red flag that says, guys, there are some concerns with these vendors or specific vendors. If you look at Consumer Reports, which of course is a subscription service, right, um, even though some of the, some of the information is available publicly. 
I noticed that TCL, their, their TVs do get lower ratings on Consumer Reports and they and Consumer Reports does rate on security and privacy and they get low ratings on that, which is good, I guess, except that I just have a hard time believing that that really is influencing many buying decisions out there. My, my guess is most people go to Best Buy, they're looking at the 40-inch TVs and at the price. <laughs> you know, we moved office and uh, I went to Best Buy to buy several TVs. And I was offered by the guy there that, I, of course, I don't suspect him in any in any manner, try to sell me TCL TV or, I, or other vendors. I'm not going to, to mention too many names, but the main issue is that they don't concern security as an issue. And, you know, and, and that's a problem. And the problem is that you have, you know, millions over millions over millions of these devices. And again, we don't need to focus on TCL because they are part of a bigger story. And the bigger story is that we keep buying these devices. We keep some occasionally find some vulnerabilities. We are being shocked as a society and then everything goes quietly. And there is no broader action to that. So let's talk on the patch aspect of the TCL story, which is, so the the incident was reported. There was some emails back and forth between a security lead at TCL and the researchers. And then TCL kind of went quiet. And then the security researchers kind of noticed that the TV that they were, you know, basing their research on suddenly had been patched. Um, and TCL says now, well, like, well, we did an APK update to, you know, this app that was the source of the vulnerability. But it doesn't seem like there was any real communication around that or that the owner of the set approved that. It just kind of happened. Like the code got pushed out and, and updated. Is there for these consumer devices or enterprise devices, like, is there an accepted kind of process by which vendors should be releasing critical security patches? I mean, we know what Apple and Microsoft do and so on. So, and, and which is they notify you in of advance, course. they explain what is in the patch and, ask, and, and ask for your permission and ask for your permission. Right. So is that kind of, is that accepted more or less in the both in the enterprise space as well as in the consumer electronic space, that this is the way it should work? Well, you know, a couple of days ago, I went into my car. It's, you know, an American car. And there was a software upgrade and the car, I, you know, I closed the, the switch and, and I got a pop-up that they'll be happy if I will allow them to update uh, my firmware in my car. And they asked for my permission. And yes, of course. Because I don't want to be in the middle of something without knowing. Let's assume they are using this presentation, this TV for a you know super important presentation. You don't want that anyone touches that present that TV while they do the presentation. It's a more than just being nice to you by letting you know. It's almost like being reckless without letting you know. Not to mention, and I don't believe in being reckless in in that case because it's you know they didn't even update the. The version number, you know, I have plenty of software engineers in my company. I have worked with unbelievable amount. It's almost impossible that a software engineer will think of not updating, double no, unless someone intentionally says, hide that. It doesn't make sense because now they cannot even understand where they are, right? I guess one question is, obviously, there's no... There's no kind of body to enforce these laws internationally, right? There's no there's no trade group that 
that requires con- consumer electronics vendors to follow any particular process? Actually, I've just been asked by a couple of our peers here to comment on the new legislation from the Congress that just been approved about IoT security. So I don't know if there's anything new now in, uh, in the U.S., but up to now, I didn't see anything, and that's part of the problem, that you know, legislation do not follow the, the threat and do not follow almost reality in terms of understanding how broader is the problem, and that's part of the challenge we have. So let's talk about the kind of bigger issue, which is one that your company is very focused on, which is the broader kind of uh, supply chain security issue. And, you know, obviously, you know, TCL is a huge Chinese electronics maker. They make television sets that they sell under their own brand. And then they, they are a supplier for other brands, for example, Roku, where, you know, they make the hardware, Roku makes the software. And, and this is true across, you know, many, many different product categories. There probably isn't, aren't many products, period, where the supply chain doesn't either cross, pass through or start in China. That makes it very, very difficult to really ever kind of get your feet on solid ground with this. But how concerned should companies be with the security of any piece of network equipment, uh, as you you mentioned, keyboards and laptops, given that a lot of those components uh, are originating in a country that has proven itself to be not beyond cyber espionage, uh, intellectual property theft, uh, mass surveillance and, and data data theft and analysis and, and a lot of a lot of other kind of very suspect practices. Lately, the U.S. federal government started to address that issue in a more ser- serious way. I guess the you know, geopolitical climate between the U.S. and China brings that to the attention of more and more people. But, you know, there is some kind of regulation and rules that are popping and trying to, I don't have better word than banning a specific vendors of being part of a critical infrastructure to the border to the broader uh, meaning of critical infrastructure inside the U.S. Even though maybe it's not the right and nicest way to put it, but great, that's a good start. So at least there is a coming to be a price, a, an attack price to a, actions that are made by China. So I guess we will see more and more things like that in the next months and, and years. And and. It's almost like a mandatory requirement if we want to, and it's not going to be stopped, but limit the number of incidents or concerns around that issue. Now, if we go back, yeah, we see it all around. We see it all around the world, and we see it all around the verticals that we are addressing, as I mentioned at the beginning. And the big issue is, you know, today is the work from home brought it to extreme, and we can see the increase of incidents and concerns because of 2020, the COVID, uh, and there are documented uh, incidents around the IP to be involved or the IP involved in the vaccine. And we have uh, stories around uh, financial institutions and, and criminal activity around that. And behind all of that, yes, plenty of criminals, but many big stakeholders are involved and almost like testing the 
ability and, and showing their capabilities by using a manipulated or penetrated supply chains. And it's totally out of control now. And we see a huge concern and increasing, dramatically increased number of incidents from small peripheral devices to IoT devices to way bigger infrastructure equipment around that. I would add just two more sentences here. We've been approached by several bigger you know, American brands that eventually find themselves teaming up with some vendors in China, especially around 5G. But there are between the U.S. government regulation and the cold shoulder they are getting from regulation about using Chinese technology. And on the other end, the availability of technology that is coming from China, especially around the 5G. And, you know, we try to help them to kind of clean or at least have some sense of what's going on within their offering while they team up with the Chinese vendors, but have a limited, let's call it limited trust in terms of what they are getting. Well, and we've seen some moves on in, in, on the part of the Chinese companies as well. I mean, notably the Huawei brand just sold its Honor smartphone brand outside of the company. So there, there, there are maneuvers to try and, I guess, you know, get regulators off their back. Uh, is you, your expectation that those are going to be successful, or, or do regulators kind of see through that the, the the sort of you know the 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 machinations of the uh, of the lawyers and brand names and so on? I grew up in an, in in the Israeli intelligence, and when you get to intelligence and you have sources, the only thing that you don't want to lose is your sources, and you'll do whatever you can in order to keep them viable and valuable for you. So in order to play games and let lawyers to negotiate and, and change the language and the structure of companies. Yes, of course you'll do that. Is it going to be effective? Effective to whom? To us as consumers, to us as US? Well, I have doubts. I don't know if you've seen the movie, the Cold War movie, Dr. Strangelove, but there's a, there's a character in, there's a character in there who talks about like the, you know, they're, they're messing with our precious bodily fluids, you know, <laughs> and, um, which which recalls some of the Cold War paranoia around mm-hmm. like um like uh, water fluoridation and things like that. People thought it was a big communist plot to you know poison us. <laughs> like with supply chain, I sometimes find myself worrying about that. Like you know when you really start thinking about it, you can kind of get to that precious bodily fluids state of mind where like oh my god, it's everywhere and it's it's everything. But on the other hand, I, I guess I know enough about cybersecurity to think like nah, you know it's not it's not that crazy and you know, you you can't just you can't just sever those supply chain links. But what, in your mind, would be good and effective policy to address the concerns about the integrity of those, particularly those small components that are in nearly every product around security and privacy and you know backdoors and that type of stuff? As a society, we cannot trust the supply chain. I don't think that China is going to hack into my parents' TV, there's nothing interesting there. But if they will spread it across the globe, well, they will find very valuable intelligence. And countries spread a wide networks in order to find small fishes. So we need to, uh, to understand that. We need to be aware of that. We need to be careful. We need to punish when we find something like 
TCL a story, as long, of course, it is accurate as, as we believe it is. And in addition to that, we need to have a technology solution that will cover the basis while we do the rest. Right. And of course, you're right. China probably isn't interested in Yossi, although, frankly, they probably are. But <laughs> assuming you were just an anonymous person. But, you know, if if Yossi, the anonymous person, suddenly becomes, you know, a senior advisor to, uh, you know, President Biden, you know, then maybe they are interested in you. Right. And and if they've got that basically surveillance device in your in your environment, whether it's your office or your home, who's to say that that doesn't sort of switch on? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I guess I'm not going to be a, an advisor to, to the elected president, but but I would say that... Never say never, Yossi. Never say never. I said a guess. Uh, I didn't say never. Uh, uh, I would say that... Uh, but, you know, just take a look on, you know, again, the people around me, uh, just in our advisory and all of that. We have the head of the Mossad. We have people from CIA. I don't think I am not a target, uh, you know, the story from, of my life in the last years. I'm not concerned too much. I'm trying to protect myself as much as possible. I will not talk about sensitive information around the electronics, to be honest. Uh, and I take that sometimes to extreme. In general uh, speaking, you know, if there are, and there is no if, uh, hundreds of thousands of TCL TVs or other listed vendor. Yeah, millions. Just around DC Metro, well, there is unbelievable amount of valuable intelligence. And, you know, hopefully someone will do more than we did before. And I, I am optimistic. I see and I hope it's not just a partisan issue because everything now it's partisan. If politicians and uh, legislators will be serious around that, and I am optimistic, we'll see less stories like that coming with no reflection you know, no reflection. And then the numbers will be, you know, they will all work harder in order to be below the radar, which means number of occasions they'll do it will be lower. Because in any cyber operation, in any espionage operation, I keep telling people the first question you'll be asked is, can it be traced back to us? And if there is a price, this question will be asked more more times, which means less operations will run uh, right. against things, us things in will, the US. Things will get, things will get shelved. So, so we were talking uh, before I hit record just about the most recent National Defense Authorization Act, which is in 2019. And there's a section in that, 889, that really directs government to basically eradicate or get rid of any suspect uh, hardware, including consumer electronics, from government facilities, and and they mention a bunch of uh, vendors, ZTE and Huawei and and Hytera and Hikvision and Dawa and a bunch of them. Um, TCL, I don't think, is on the list, although maybe they are. Um, they're not. So so, I guess first of all, what what's been the practical implication of that since it's passed? And second of all, as as this story would suggest. By by listing a certain set of forbidden vendors, haven't we already limited the effectiveness of this? Because here's one TCL that arguably should be on the list that isn't. 
is there a possibility of expanding that going forward as as more information becomes available? Well, uh, answering that will actually create my job in advising President Biden. But uh, seriously, now, uh, when we uh, started to talk to the to our friends in the U.S. federal and offered our help in uh, monitoring that, the positive reaction was like, "Yes, please." We started to look into that, and okay, so you say Huawei, and there is branded Huawei equipment uh, all around us, from servers to switches to many other devices up to smartwatches, and we have plenty of these here in our lab. But you go to some, again, I don't want to mention names, but you go to some of your favorite telecom uh, service providers and you ask for a USB cellular modem to your laptop and you get something with uh, the logo of that telecom company. But then you start scratching or getting into the details and you see it's actually a Huawei device or a ZTE device or Sure. some other device and it's so deeply penetrated into our lifestyle and into our infrastructure that a uh, legislation is a good a amazing good start but taking them off and ripping them off of everything we almost can go back to uh, the stone age and we're not going to do that what we learn is that first let's start by knowing and we are not we are sepio, but we as a society, we don't know enough. Our work right now is on uh, focused on exposing and, and being able to list and, and uh, literally real time, almost like asset inventory uh, around that uh, 889 uh, section and trying to bring a tool that, or actually bringing a tool that gives that information in an actionable way that say, okay, so it is connected here and there and all of that. And each organization will be able to prioritize what they want to do with that. Right. I mean, you, you bring up a really good point. And we've seen this already, for example, you know, within the last five or six years, there have been a number of stories about, for example, um, surveillance cameras that were sending data streams to servers in China, right? Problem was the firmware. But then when you looked at the list of OEMs of hardware well, if you look at the list of companies whose products were affected by that one firmware, it was like dozens and dozens of companies, many of them very prominent Western firms, you know, Philips and so on. But all they had done really was put their company bezel on a on a piece of hardware and software that was manufactured in China and pretty generic. And so you know, your your head kind of explodes because you're like, Jesus, you know, this is just this one firmware provider. We don't even know this this company is a tiny company. We, nobody's ever heard of it before. And their software is running on literally hundreds of different internet connected devices from dozens of different companies, many of which are just, just inherently trusted in the West because many of them, you know, built their names and brands as Western companies. You know, when I moved here to the U.S. in the beginning of 2015, one of the first demos I did for a company, and that was in my previous company, that was focused actually on CCTV cybersecurity. So cybersecurity, CCTV networks, and physical security networks, hardening them against cyber attacks. And as the CTO of that company at that time, we had actually a really nice demo to a customer, potential customer here in the U.S., a large organization. You know, my equipment didn't arrive. I ran to the computer store next door and I just bought off the shelf a couple of IP CCTV cameras uh, in order to make a demonstration on 
how we see it in, in the appliance we developed at that time and all of that. And I found two streams, actually two MAC addresses, two video streams running from that camera. One was, a, and you know, it's actually almost like an internal joke that I almost killed my engineering because I thought it's a new version and there is a bug in, this, in the product. I didn't think that I'm going to find something like that off the shelf in my first day in the US. Uh, eventually, we actually geo-tracked the IP of the stream, which was not my stream, and it went to some apartment in New York, uh, or actually an, in, into an address in New York. Then we realized it's an apartment. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know anything. On the box, you could see a headquarter address in Texas. It was, a, of course, not a Texan company. But they have, you know, a storefront here in the U.S., and everything looks legitimate. Of course, the computer store didn't do anything. And I, I, to be honest, I didn't invest uh, uh, that too much at that time. I was extremely busy. But it happens all the time. And there were so many stories around Ike Vision and, and other vendors uh, around the CCTV. And by the way, Ike Vision, I'm not giving any classified information, is part of that legislation or that rule that we just mentioned, you know, it's not a surprise. It happens for many, many years. The good surprise for me is that we start to see, you know, broader understanding to that problem. So for our listeners who, you know, are probably IT people, maybe information security people working in companies, what are the major risks and concerns that they should have? And if they wanted to start to try and like put their arms around this problem for their organization, you know, where, where should they start? You know, I have a long years of argument between a, what I call a supply chain security officers and, and the way a, I look on things. A, because, you know, you talk to a, people that are responsible about supply chain security and they explain all the measures they do a, from understanding they changed within the supply chain, and then they go to the sources. Each organization has its own limitations, but eventually, if you go to the extreme, they visit the facilities, they seal the code, and they have many measures that are blessed. You know, there's no silver bullet solution to both a problem like that. But most of the organizations don't. If you are a mid-range company or even a large corporation, you really can't go so deep into your supply chain. So the question is, what can you do? First, you know, buy from a brand that you trust them more than the rest. And don't go to look like Dell, just buy, buy Dell or HP. And don't go and buy something that is cheaper than that because you feel you are saving money or you get better performance, but maybe you get way more than that. Again, I'm not doing any ads to Dell. I just bought one, so I remember the, the name uh, from my mind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the second thing is think about that in an holistic view because eventually everyone are focused on the high-end equipment, the servers, the switches, and all of that, but eventually you find the attack coming from your mouse or from your keyboard. And it's not James Bond stories. It happens everywhere. It happens all the time. And if your pen testers or your red teams show you vulnerabilities around that, guess what? They are not doing it because they want to brag. They are doing it because they show these devices can get into your organization below the radar. So embrace that, 
Now look on your infrastructure, look on your desk, and realize that these are risky devices. So find some technology to help you with that, but also start by buying something that has, as we call it, a mom and a dad, someone that you can call and will not ignore your emails and is not going to switch your firmware at night without you knowing. Is there a role in the consumer space for, for some of the big retailers to get more concerned about this and, and kind of make this a condition of, of getting your product on their store shelves? Or, or is, is it almost like too late for that? It's never too late because equipment has limited life and we keep buying new stuff. So yes, I actually almost, you know what? It's a call for action for all of these organizations from the Amazons to Best Buy and all of that. Well, I expect you to be part of my solution by almost like understanding the risk you are bringing to my infrastructure. We cannot trust only the vendors, especially vendors, as we mentioned today. Sure. I mean, vendors who are really, you know, their their primary concern, especially in the consumer electronics space is, you know, I need to have my product on store shelves, you know, in advance of the holiday shopping season, right? And if pushing back on security is going to is going to jeopardize that then i'm just not going to push back on security i mean let's be honest that's that's the way it happens and again the guy that or of course the lady that shows me the tv in best buy or the keyboard in best buy tells me how great it is and how sharp is the sh- the picture and all of that it would be nice if they would say hey by the way it is highly graded security based on research that was done or it is poorly and just take it into consideration. You are buying something that costs $170 and not $300. Performance-wise, it looks okay, but take into consideration security is yeah. less. Yeah. Just FYI, you know, this thing has about 10 ports open and you can, you know, browse the browse the hard drive from anywhere. Yes, on yes. yes. <laughs> Just if you're concerned. Is the long-term fix, y'all see, is the long-term fix for you know, major countries like the U.S. more or less to rebuild their own supply chains, basically, to move away from what we've had for the last 30 or 40 years, which is increased globalization and and of the supply chain and just-in-time, you know, manufacturing and get back to maybe what we had back in the 80s and 90s, which is, you know, we're going to make the components in Texas and we're going to assemble them in California and we're going to sell them, you know, in, in Sears and Best Buy uh, all over the country. Yeah, we are just going to, to get into Buy America and of course, yes, please do that. But are you willing to pay for your TV 10 times more than you pay today? Yeah. It's a good question. It's not yes or no, but it's a, it's a valid question. Are you willing to pay not 1200 for your iPhone, but... 2400 maybe yes but it's a very tough questions to answer i personally don't believe manufacturing is going to be stopped especially for consumer in china and and in influenced areas around china but uh, i think that if we'll play the cards correctly and we'll take the eye end from there they'll start to realize that there is a penalty to their behavior Yossi Applebaum, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us on the Security Ledger podcast. And we look forward to hearing more from you and hearing more from Sepio in the, in the months ahead. Thank you so much, Paul. You will. Uh, we are planning cool stuff uh, in the near future. Thank you. 
Yossi Applebaum is the CEO of Sepio Systems. He was here talking to us about supply chain security.